Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, I do encourage you to check out my other podcast that's called Around the World in 80s Movies, covering, of course, films of the 1980s. I got over 100 of them at the time of this recording, so... I do encourage you to check that out. You can find the link at my website, quipster.net. Today I'm going to be looking at a film that's getting quite a bit of acclaim out there. It's called The Lighthouse. It's a film that's perplexing. I'm not going to give you all of the answers or even any of the answers here as to what it all means. But suffice it to say, finding out for yourself is part of the enjoyment. It's an R-rated film. It does have sexual content, nudity, violence, disturbing images, and some language. The runtime is an hour and 49 minutes the cast primarily only two people although there is a a third actor in the film at some point robert pattinson and willem dafoe are the main stars the director is robert eggers eggers also co-wrote the screenplay along with his brother max now the premise of the lighthouse is relatively simple you have two men they're isolated indefinitely at this rocky island lighthouse some distance off of the coast of New England, and they end up going mad over time, at least we presume so. If you really want to get even more simple than that, it's really about two of the worst roommates who are driving each other crazy while they fight for control of this giant phallus, a lighthouse reaching to the sky. Well, one of them does seem to be actually going mad, the one who holds the least amount of power among the two. He's working beyond the point of exhaustion for this deeply superstitious man with tyrannical tendencies. The only way of finding escape, other than pure fantasies, happens to be self-destructive practices, like ones that have ruined the lives of so many sailors over the years. Hard drinking, night after night. But there's more to Ephraim Winslow, played by Robert Pattinson, that's been deeply troubling him. There's been an incident in his past that haunts him that his continued existence on the island serves as a persistent reminder of. Their shift on the island in the middle of the sea was originally supposed to be four weeks in duration. Due to a leg injury, the boss, Thomas Wake, played by, of course, Willem Dafoe, requires Ephraim to do nearly all of the physical labor, at least the hard stuff, by himself, and the younger man comes to deeply resent this arrangement. He feels like a slave, We're toiling all day, and he's treated no better than an animal at night. On his end, Thomas feels like Ephraim does not respect his authority or his cooking skills. Thomas seems to serve up the same plate of slop night after night. Reportedly, there was a food fight scene that was cut from the final film here, too. He's going to break the lad to fear him if he won't at least show him the respect of his position. The wall between them is so prevalent, despite being in close proximity to one another, that they don't even learn each other's names until well into their scheduled stay. Now from there, things get occasionally better, but often far worse among the two. Ephraim's fear and his guilt and his paranoia begin to get the better of him, and that's combined with the toxicity of heavy drinking and his feelings of overwhelming isolation. Visions end up coming into his head of lusty mermaids and mocking seagulls and a dead body he seems to know more about than he cares to remember. Now, odd things do occur in The Lighthouse. It's a weird tale. It likely won't make sense to many viewers on a first-time watch. Maybe they won't ever make sense to some viewers, no matter how many times they watch this. But one of those things includes characters occasionally seeming to 
kind of merge identities as the story unfolds. Indeed, a lot of the film has something to say about identity. Another includes them knowing things they shouldn't know or remembering things incorrectly despite having just experienced them. And of course, there are the seemingly supernatural visions that may or may not be figments of one person's imagination. Secrets are the fuel that drives paranoia, and the one thing that Ephraim is not allowed to know is just what Thomas is doing at the top of the lighthouse where the lantern resides. The Fresno lens, I guess, as he has been barred from entry up into the upper parts of the lighthouse every night. That also adds a little bit of fuel of speculation there. And what he's able to glimpse, at least what he thinks he's glimpsing, he begins to think Thomas is not the only entity that's up there at the top of the lighthouse. There may be some sort of pseudo-sexual supernatural ritual occurring that he can't quite decipher, whether it's real or the result of his rapidly disintegrating hold on his imagination. Whether or not there's something deeper within the ambiguity than what we're presented with here will likely reside in the mind of you, the viewer. Some will continue to re-watch the film, hoping that they can discover the key to director and co-writer Robert Eggers' second feature, He's following up the mesmerizing, but some might say equally confounding, 2015 horror film called The Witch. Eggers co-wrote the script with his brother Max, partially based on a possibly true story or possibly folk tale about these two early 19th century Welsh-stranded lighthouse keepers named Thomas, one older and one younger, who end up bickering and facing adversity when they're struck by a major storm. The first thing that you'll probably end up pondering is why Eggers and his cinematographer Jaron Blaschke chose to shoot the film in black and white with this boxy aspect ratio. It does recall older films, but given that The Lighthouse does not ostensibly have anything to do specifically with early cinema, it's kind of a narrative that pre-existed narrative cinema or even sound cinema, but there is the setting, which is sometime in the 1890s. It adds another subconscious dimension to the claustrophobic nature of the two main characters, so that's one reason why it's probably employed. Eggers also drew a lot of inspiration from period photographs. He looked at volumes and volumes of photographs that were taken during that period, which were, of course, squarish and black and white, so that's probably why the film runs that way. Cameras and lenses were brought in from the early 20th century to lend older authenticity to the film, and there were older film stocks used as well. While Eggers doesn't shoot this film with the era in mind, all of the sights are meant to draw the viewer into this older time and place naturally. Eggers really starts with the atmosphere of his films, and he lets the narrative spin off from there. The costumes seem to go back to olden days as well, as do the occupations and the attitudes discuss, and of course the dialogue itself, which Eggers got mainly from reading a lot of books by Herman Melville and Robert Louis Stevenson and a host of other contemporary writers of that era. Thus far, Eggers' reputation has been as a director who meticulously researches dialogue and dialects of the periods that he sets his stories within, so he does successfully give the lighthouse the air of authenticity. For instance, the lighthouse keepers were called wikis in that time and place. It feels at times as a portal to days gone by. It's like reading a novel contemporary of its time. The lighthouse itself was a 70-foot-high working replica that was made specifically for this film. The real lighthouses that they looked at were not quite up to what they wanted. They were too difficult to shoot within as well and required walls to be moved away in order to accommodate the cameras and other equipment and the angles necessary to properly shoot the film. 
Diegetic sound adds to the haunting atmosphere. Clocks tick and clack in the background. Only occasionally are they broken up by the sound of a foghorn, as well as the perpetual drone of the ocean waves, which are becoming more fierce with the threat of an oncoming storm. The clock is always present, even when the men begin to lose track of time, to the point where it begins to not even matter any longer. It actually really does not become important after a certain point. Matt Corvin's ominous score accentuates the eerie foreboding without becoming intrusive to the story. And then there are other recurring sounds. The one-eyed seagull who comes into play at various times throughout this film. He appears to be laughing at Ephraim's foibles. And there's the launching of Thomas's persistent flatulence into the quiet sea air that does give audiences a, a chuckle here and there. The best thing about The Lighthouse for most viewers, whether they completely understand this film or not, I would say most people probably come away a little bit confounded, but they may come up with their own conclusions or be satisfied with whatever somebody on YouTube tells them the film is really about. The committed performances by the two leads is still the best part, I think, of The Lighthouse. Pattinson gives perhaps the strongest performance in his relatively young acting life, worthy of Oscar consideration, I would say, but he just might have gotten saddled with competing with someone else for that Oscar. The phenomenal Willem Dafoe might be in the same category as Best Actor, but I would gather that they will kick Dafoe as they do so often with competing people in the same movie. They're probably going to kick him to supporting actor if they can for this reason. Dafoe is intense, but he plays his part with just a wink of self-awareness to let us in the audience know that he's playing up this old-time heightened acting style of that bygone era where stage performers would inhabit many roles in film. Dafoe has a lot of stage experience as well, so it does come into play here. By the end of this art house folk culture exploration, our grasp on what's real What's imagined and what may be coerced by the power of suggestion is just as tenuous as that which occurs in the minds of its characters. While the core themes may be elusive to some viewers in the end, The Lighthouse does remain a remarkable achievement in character interplay and psychological tension. It really does keep your eyes on the screen, even when you're not sure that you want to see what's actually showing on the screen. It is a, an olden-style look at 19th century American East Coast horror tales, those weird tales with an eye toward mystery and mayhem and the macabre. If H.P. Lovecraft and Edgar Allan Poe were alive today to see films like this, I think they would probably be quite proud. Three and a half stars is what I'm giving The Lighthouse. Three and a half stars on my scale means that I do think that this is a good film. It does have the potential to go up even higher, I would suppose, if I rewatch it multiple times and it begins to be more fascinating, as films like this often do. But for right now, I will say this is a good film. I do recommend it for people who are intrigued by this premise and the description that I laid out in the course of this review. I do at least recommend giving it a shot at some point. You may love it or you may come away not sure exactly what you just saw, but I do think that ultimately this is a film that sticks with you and you will be entertained by trying to piece together at least what you think actually happened during the course of the film. So three and a half stars out of four is what I give The Lighthouse. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you have your own thoughts on The Lighthouse that you want to impart to me, you can find my contact information at my website. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hope you click the subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And please enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies. Bye.